thanks for joining me. And I know that currently you're a student at Pratt, right? Yeah, I'm a student at Pratt. But before you had you had experience two different startups. Yes. So uh, first of all, tell me about the first one. What was it? What was what was it? Uh, and what problem did it aim to solve? And what happened? So the first one was called PNP Labs, and it was around the time uh, that you had companies like uh, Gigster.com, which and Gigster was doing really well in the US markets. So the idea was essentially kind of working with the freelancing or the gig economy. And how it kind of came into being for me and my co-founder is that uh, essentially we we wanted to kind of get into the startup ecosystem. The idea was let's just go bootstrapped. And, and we started out picking up a few projects as consultants and we were building things out for different companies. One of them was in the ed tech sector. And this was basically ex-Infosys employees who kind of started this off. It was called Liga. And then there was one in the healthcare sector, which was basically in terms of... Uh, appointment management for doctors so we thought you know why not what we saw while doing these projects was essentially when you were kind of consulting for someone and you're essentially building out a product there's a lot of it that's repeatable in the sense that user stories user journeys in essentially for different sectors like I pick up logistics and or I pick up healthcare I know there are certain things that are repeatable and I know that the kind and, and while working, I also know the kind of talent that I require to build this project out. One of the biggest problems that people still talk about is that how do you give out an estimate for these projects? Do you meet the, uh, and the timeline? But I felt that that was one thing that we wanted to start off. Uh, and that's what we wanted to solve. And that was the first company, which was PNP Labs. Essentially, what we were doing is we were building out a scoping engine. What that would do is we had populated a lot of stories, user stories and journeys over time. That would essentially be your contract between the different freelancing teams. And we also had a team of curated freelancers that we were onboarding. So we were running this bootstrap for about three years. Uh, we were profitable. Uh, but the biggest problem at that point of time was remote work wasn't that big. Uh, anyone that we kind of spoke to kind of wanted somebody in-house despite what projections you gave them, despite the deadlines, despite everything. Everyone wants someone in-house, someone sitting right there. So that was one thing that was a big challenge. The second thing that we felt was this wouldn't scale like a startup. It would take its own journey. So the, the that's where we felt that I mean, we we would start plateauing out. So we built a community of 750 freelancers. And these are people all across the, the globe who were working with us. And we executed quite a few projects, about 20 to 25 hour projects. Uh, one of them was in the logistics space, which was with Mahindra. So it was called Move. So that was one of our clients. And then there was Fish Chain. So we did a lot of projects at that point of time. And I think through that journey of three years, we kind of also realized the engineering process around it. There's a lot of tooling that you use it and it doesn't matter whether you're working with freelancing teams or whether you're working with in-house teams. And that's kind of what led us to the second idea or the second startup. So, so that, yeah, sorry. Let me interrupt you. There's a couple of details that are missing. What year did you start this? 
I think this would have been uh, 20, 2016, I feel, 2015, 2016. And what was the name of it? It was called PNP Labs. PNP Labs. Yeah, the company was called PNP Labs. Uh, the product that we were building out was called Cloud Team. Cloud Team, okay. Yeah. And you said there was a scaling issue. Can you explain the scaling issue a little better? Or a little uh, more, rather? I, I think the scaling issue from the perspective is that when we kind of went out to work with different clients, essentially it, it was that entire process of looking for clients, then you kind of go into your sales cycle, onboard them. And the other thing that we definitely saw was we were always seen not as a product company, but we were seen as somebody who's working with outsourcing. And we didn't want to be that. We wanted to be product focused because our core was around the scoping engine that we were building. So that, that I think was a challenge for us. Uh, and somewhere we did feel like, you know, this this couldn't go into that hyper growth model or that startup model that everybody looks at. We would be profitable, but it would just be like plateauing out in terms of how the ecosystem was at that point of time. So what, what were the, <clears throat> forgive me for being um, less insightful than I might be, but what was stopping it from, from growing? The, I mean, I, I, get the, I get the whole onboarding thing. Onboarding takes time. Onboarding is is intensive. That is not. Um, I get, I mean, I guess it depends how many teams you build because each team can onboard clients individually as long as you're happy with them um, and and how they work with the client. That's difficult to QA. But what else was stopping it from scaling? The other thing was the the fact that we weren't essentially uh, we we weren't working with talent that would come in in house. When we said freelancing, we were literally working with remote workers, and that wasn't palatable to a lot of the people within the industry. Because at that point of time, or even now, again, I think even post COVID, things have sort of started going back again. But everybody wants your team, like even if it's a freelancing team, if even if it's a group of consultants, they would want them to work in house sitting right there which is something that we weren't doing and I think that was also taking us a lot of time in in terms of getting that acceptance in with remote work with people working I think I mean I agree with you a lot of places going back but I think everybody understands what's possible remotely now yeah before in 2016 people understood remote but they didn't understand how extensive remote could be Exactly. So if you were going to, it's 2023 now, right? So seven years have passed. The world has changed. Do you think this idea could be taken forward again? And if you did it again now, what would you change to overcome the scaling issue that you, the impediments you came across to scaling? Do you think that's possible? I think the first thing that I would do is we wouldn't uh, solve two problems at once, which is like we wouldn't build the product and also give you like a curated team. I would leave out the freelancing bit of it. I would leave out the curated team bit of it. I would build it as a pure product company wherein it would just be the scoping which would help people collaborate remotely. So I think there's a lot of potential over there in terms of building this out. And I do see a lot of companies who are trying to solve this problem now, uh, especially with things like AI, with things like ChatGPT coming, where you're able to train models. 
I think everyone is kind of moving in that direction and this is what you were essentially trying to do. Can I give a prompt? Can I say that, hey, I want to build a login flow and like the stories are populated by itself and this is what I take to my designer. My designer designs screens bases this. My product manager essentially runs his scrum or runs any of the processes around this. So it's becoming more and more possible with, with AI and chat GPT coming in, but I would definitely just focus on that part of it if I were to build it today. And I would not uh, tackle the talent pool part of it. Okay. Well, when you finish, you're, you're nearly finished your studies or you have one more year? I have one more year to go. Okay. So maybe in a year's time, you can revisit that if that's still of interest to you. For sure. I, but I do think like, I mean, what one thing that I want to revisit is the second startup that we were building out. Right. Perfect. So, so tell me about that. What year did you start it? What was it called? And what was its purpose? So this was, I think, 2019. Uh, it was called Cloudy. Uh, we So we raised a pre-seed round at that point of time for building this out, which was uh, with Axelor Ventures. Uh, these are again ex Infosys guys running a fund back in India, doing the entire Indo US uh, thing. And we also got a grant uh, by the government of Karnataka uh, for what we were building out. So that 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 kept us going for a while. Uh, so this was essentially in the developer tool space. And essentially, it was the previous experience of building uh, PNP labs or building cloud team out wherein we saw that within engineering, there is a lot of tooling that you use. Even today, you see that you look at the SaaS ecosystem, it's pretty much decoupled the number of tools that you use in a day-to-day -day basis in an organization. And what becomes challenging, especially with uh, the engineering front, is that you are constantly juggling, shuffling between different tools to get your data points, whether it's something as simple, a, a simple workflow as debugging, it takes you more time than usual to first look for your data points in terms of, hey, what is it that could have caused this uh, error to occur? And then you go through a lot before you can get down to fixing it. So what we started doing is we said that can we build a sort of a conversational interface that unifies these tools and helps you solve just focusing on bug management, can we just focus on one workflow and then build up from there? So can we solve bugs faster? Can we make that interface easier to use as well? The, the other problem that you see with a lot of developer tools is that nobody focuses on the interface there. Nobody focuses on the user experience because the idea is these are people with, you know, high, I mean, they're high on tech knowledge and they're like, these are the people who know how to code. They're always in front of their screens. They're doing a lot of stuff. So we probably don't need to focus on the experience. But at the end of the day, it, it is still a human sitting on the other end and would love to have an easier user experience because it does take time to kind of learn different tools. It's it's obvious, it's even if, you know, you're the smartest person, you will still take some time to learn these tools and everyone, every tool has a different way of using it. So we were also trying to solve uh, the experience part of it uh, while building this out because we really believed that experience is what can change a lot of things. 
I mean, and we see that even even with Chat GPT, right? Uh, it was not that it didn't exist before, but it was that UI interface that made it so simple and accessible for everybody to use. So we wanted to do that, and that's that's what Cloudy was essentially doing. And we'd build out a conversational layer. We'd trained our models to kind of identify different bugs and uh, point you towards a solution. Uh, but I think 2020 was when the pandemic hit. Uh, me and my co-founder were essentially planning to travel to the US, raise a subsequent round, build it out over here, uh, because US is essentially the paying market in terms of all the tools, while you might build it out in India, but the selling happens here. Uh, but yeah, the pandemic hit, our travel plans were cancelled, uh, we were able to kind of build it out for a while with the funds that we had, but we kind of reached a point wherein we couldn't build it out or we couldn't sustain it financially at that point of time. That's when we decided to shut it. Uh, my co-founder works uh, with another startup right now. I decided to do my master's, which I'd put on hold for a while uh, and kind of build up on the knowledge, which was more intuitive for me because I truly feel user experience is something which can solve a lot of problems. And as we are moving in the direction where more and more interfaces are digital thing, and there are newer things coming in, like problems can be solved, accessibility can be solved for using user experience, using the knowledge that you have. So I kind of wanted to formalize that. But somewhere there, that's where I plan to revisit the idea after my master's. So you plan to revisit and will the audience be engineers still? Or will it be, yes? It would be developers. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I myself don't code. And what we built out with Cloudy was pretty much something which anybody could use. So you didn't really need your developer to kind of jump in and help you figure out, hey, okay, what do I do with this? I've seen probably somebody's app is crashing. I know that this is happening or there's there's a button on the website that doesn't work and I have to wait for my developer. So we kind of solved for that because the interface was pretty much like, even if you didn't know how to code, even if you didn't know how to probably write an LS bugs command, you could still write something like, show me all the bugs in the last 24 hours. So as a product manager as well, this was where we were able to kind of uh, make it low on on tech and like high on accessibility with that interface. But our core, uh, I mean, audience or our core ICP, so to say, was developers. That's cool. So is that gone or can you resurrect it at some time in the future? We can resurrect it. I mean, it's, it's not completely gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's very cool. So <clears throat> given your... So I've got two more questions. We got about 13 minutes left. So first question is, um, what have you learned? Like what are mistakes that you wouldn't make again? So if you were starting out again, and it sounds like you're a serial entrepreneur in the making and you are going to do another startup come hell or high water. So yeah. what mistakes, what do you think you did well? And what do you think you should avoid next time? Uh, I think what we did well was uh, the way we built out the product. And I mean, the kind of roadmap that we took is something that still stands. The reason that we know that we can resurrect it at any point is because we had like a solid foundation with that product. And I think that was the good part of it. Uh, I think what I could have done better or, or what both of us could have done better as co-founders is that uh, the realization that, you know, when 
as much as we are passionate about the product as as much as we know i mean it's high on engineering it takes its own time and developer tools as a whole other ball game altogether in terms of building a business uh one thing that we did late is we started out focusing on the indian market and it took us a while to realize that you might find users to build a product with in terms of the saas ecosystem in india but you will not find paying users there paying users are in the us market so day one that's where you start doing things that's where you start building it and as much as i've been here as well right now i realize it even more cuz i mean i'm always meeting lot of other founders i still go to events where and i see what people are doing what they're building and i realize that you know that's that's one thing that we should have done on day one and not waited for 9 months before we realized hey we need to go to the us markets hey that's where we need to build it out so i think that's something that we would change for sure <laughs> okay so what about the fundraising and the um who who had control because there's always a there's always a dynamic between having power and having money so you can have all the power in the world but you have no money so you have no you, you have no leverage you can't do anything or you can have enough money to do stuff mm-hmm. but then other people are telling you what to do mm-hmm. so i think both of these right the first one was bootstrapped i'm presuming yeah. that was part of the reason why the pnp labs it sounds like that was bootstrapped did you did you yeah. raise did you raise funds at any point for that one no we didn't we were bootstrapped through and through okay and then the the second one uh the cloudy um yeah. that one you had you had money from the beginning from two sources so yeah. the, how did that influence your decision making and uh would you do you think you did a good job in terms of managing the investor and managing the investor relation uh for sure i mean i think uh with with the second one the the government fund was a grant so we were essentially just answerable in terms of milestones in terms of what we were achieving so it was pretty much us pro- kind of projecting the roadmap and achieving that and then working with it so there was no sort of investor relation management there but we did have with axelor it was pretty much uh management of relations with the investors i think we were lucky that uh, our investors were really good they really believed in us uh to the extent that they know, i mean i still have chat with my uh, chat with my investors and they keep asking me hey when are you resurrecting cloudy because we would like you to kind of build it out and they had faith in the idea at that point of time and they still do which which is a rarity uh that you would find in this industry because essentially it is that the the relationship between startups and vcs as much as we like to kind of you know uh, paint a very nice picture about it at the end of the day it is financial transactions it's them betting on you making profits and that's how it goes right but the, the good part is we had good investors uh, i would still go back to them whenever i decide to kind of resurrect it so that way it was good they gave us the bandwidth they had faith in the way that we were kind of taking the direction I think one thing that uh, they kept pushing us for was start in the US from the very beginning and we were we were the ones who kind of delayed that decision but they were right about it and uh, we should have listened to them. Well lesson uh, lesson learned right? Yeah that's a lesson learned for us. <laughs> yeah. So what other um oh, oh, one other thing about the uh, Axelon is um how often did you check in with them? Oh, how we, often did they check in with you? 
we would have uh, uh, I think this was once in three weeks is when we would have a check-in with them or like I mean the initial month was a little bit more frequent but then it was just like once in three weeks or like once in a month sort of a thing uh, wherein we would have like a formal check-in but then uh, the partner who was kind of working with us closely on and off like in case you know he was just passing by so we would meet up but I mean the formal one was more than once in a month sort of a check-in okay that's great and what <clears throat> now looking at other people because uh other other investors and other uh future startup founders would definitely benefit from your advice so what would the if if you were starting a if if you were fresh i mean your season now but if you were fresh and you were starting uh uh starting up a new venture what advice would you appreciate the most if this was your first time building a company with hopefully high growth high risk high growth yeah. what would you do what are the things you would, would advise them if they if they're in the us or if they're in india or anywhere else i i think i would say two things one uh, don't wait for perfection whatever shape or form your product is in take it out talk to people talk to users anybody don't just shy away there's nothing that's going to be perfect the more you keep delaying it there's something that you find missing in it and it'll never go out into the market so whatever you have whatever shape or form it's in take it out see what feedback you get and listen to your users and build it out and the second thing is uh, your biggest community in this ecosystem is are the other founders there so meet as many of them as you can because they are the ones who would help you out they are the ones who would also introduce you to your investors uh so your found and you can you can always kind of they're also on a similar journey as you are they know what you're going through and there is that sense of camaraderie so meet other founders talk to other founders it's always a great thing it's always a good community to have through the journey great okay well snake thank you so much I look forward to uh, meeting up with you one of these days in the um, in the founder community uh, sure. in New York. Um, and sure. good luck with your studies. Uh, what's what's next? You have you have exams or you're done? No, I'm done. So I have an internship that starts out next week. So I'm excited to go back to work again because uh, I mean academics is, is is slightly different. But then you tend to kind of miss being in an office and working so yeah yes. okay so, well, good luck good luck with the internship and uh stay in touch thank you sure it was great talking to you likewise